broadcasting to you live from the Badlands of Texas. You're listening or you're watching Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Jerry Adams. Hello, friends, and also hello, all the lurkers out there. You don't know what I've been through. Been hit by a thunderstorm, a deadly thunderstorm, 80-mile-an-hour weather. I saw a tornado in the background. I swear I did, and I was out there trying to film it for you, and the wind took my cell phone and busted me in the face. And not only that, but the day after, here we are without water. That's right, we are without water where I live now. And they tell me that that's possibly going to last for five days. So you should be very thankful that I'm not there in person so you can't smell me. Actually, it's not that bad right now. But let me tell you this. I don't smell like I normally smell. I don't smell like Irish Spring. But it's okay. I used to be in the military. I know the proper use of a bucket in every sense of the word. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I have... Some good information. I mean, I have incredible, I have loads of information. There's some things I have that um, I've held on to for months and not played. But in light of some other creators, I guess, releasing it, I'm going to go ahead and show you what I have and show you what they showed you that they had. Now, I'm not saying that these are real. And, of course, I'm talking about the bloody crime scene photos I'm about to show you. I'm going to show you what they have, and I'll show you what I've been setting on for two months. But I'll tell you, this is what is going around, so I'm going to show it to you. That's what we do with this show. This show is a conversation with you. It's very important to me that you guys can be heard, that you guys have a place for these wild-ass speculations where you're safe to talk about them. I will not let somebody be rude to you about your wild-ass speculations, nor will I accept it upon myself. Before we go into these pictures, and I'm, I'm jumping right into those and what I have found on TikTok. I want to thank our executive producer, Lady Lisa. Thank you very much. If you'd like to become an executive producer, when I open the phone lines in the second half of the program, I'll let you know how you can become an executive producer. But also, I have some producers. Annabelle Stealth, thank you very much. Jackie Dees, thank you very much. And of course, Grant. For those of you just tuning in, for the first time perhaps, and you've never subscribed before, let this be the time when I ask you, please subscribe. I want you to subscribe because this show is a conversation with you. I want you to be able to join the conversation. That is your ticket to joining the conversation. And if you like it, that helps us get the show out to you. I've noticed the more people that like, the more the show is pushed out the kind of information that we produce. So I'd appreciate it if you'd like it. But also, if you click that bell, that is your radio. That is also like your ticket. You know, sometimes time changes. I don't know, maybe there's a thunderstorm. I tried to go live again last night, but I couldn't. Um, but maybe, you know, today the time was a little bit different, shifted. If you click that bell and say all notifications, it will let you know. All right, let me go ahead and show you what I have right off. I'm not playing around here. All right, these are pictures that I've I've received two about two months ago about the crime scene in uh, Moscow, the Idaho Four crime scene. Um, let me. We have bloody floor. You see that? 
And we have this. Now, has any, I mean, these look very authentic to me. I mean, I'm not saying that they're 100% Idaho 4, but I'm saying from a from a accident, a, a crime, they look very authentic. If any of you guys have seen a crime scene or perhaps you've been damaged and you've bled all over the place, these look very authentic to me. I'm looking at a different kind of the floor, and I've seen in the Idaho 4 house, all the pictures and the 3D walkthroughs, and it looks very similar. Very similar. I'm going to have a link to all of this. I'm going to give this to you in the show notes after the show. I'm going to play a little bit of this. Play a video where these are shown. And the floor looks a little bit similar. That's up to you. So, again, this shows a place where we come with wild ass speculations, wild ass theories, and it's a safe place to do that. I won't let anybody, you know, come against your ride to do that. And I don't care what they say because I don't watch their stuff anyway. So, it's a safe place for wild ass speculations, wild ass theories. You guys know that. This is a conversation with you. I got permission from Lana. She had an interview recently with somebody named Justin. And on that interview, there was a lot of wild-ass speculations, you know. We take these wild-ass speculations. I'm giving you these pictures right now, and I'll tell you why. Regardless if they're true or not, although we think they are. I'm not, these aren't faked. These aren't something grabbed from something else. The people that sent me these and I've gone over them, legitimately think that they may be the real thing. So don't get me wrong there, but we're putting a pin in it. When it comes time for trial, I want you to look at these photos and what they show. That'll let you know if it's true or not. All right? That's how we operate here. So, Lana had someone she's interviewing. His name was Justin. Let me go ahead and pull that up. Now, I'm not playing you that interview, but I have a bit of the interview that shows some supposed crime scene photos, which is what I want you to see. Okay. It goes by very quickly. Okay, I'm going to show this. See that? And that's why he's freaking the fuck out. Again, I'm not saying that this is the real thing. Um, It doesn't. The first time I saw this, somebody sent it to me again today, but the first time I saw this, I, you know, I, I was leaning towards it not being correct, to be honest with you. Again, spoiler, uh, spoiler, triggering warning, trigger warning. RoboMod, make sure you put a trigger warning in there. Um, didn't look real to me because of where the blood is at the f- top. But then I thought, well, I don't know where the stabs are. I don't know. 
That looks like in the middle of the sternum, doesn't it? So I don't know. And Josh Cowd. Now we don't care about what Justin's saying. The fuck out. It's since been debunked and Justin debunked himself and pulled everything away. There's no sense in talking about it. But these photos, well, let's share these photos. Let's put a pin in it, look at it, and see what comes up later. Look at the amount. That's horrible. Okay, I'm going to show. All right. There they are. If you want to see them again, you're going to have to rewind. You're going to have to rewind. But there's some, well, I think it's some good news. Although all this is horrific and tragic. In a way, I've never seen horrific and tragic things before, but some good news towards the punishment of the evildoer. How does a firing squad sound? Idaho murderer, let me put this full screen for you. I'll even throw my... Guys... If you want to call in about any of the thing you're going we're going over tonight and the topic's fresh in your mind, you can go ahead and call in 325-261-0892. Call that number right now. Before we get to open up the phone lines, you can leave a voicemail message and we'll play that. If you found the pictures disturbing, let me know about it. All right. I know murderer Brian Koberger may face firing squad if convicted of killing the four students. Because they changed the law just for him, I think. A man accused of killing... Let me put my glasses on. man accused of killing four University of Idaho students could be executed by a firing squad if found guilty under new proposals. Brian Kohlberger, 28, is held without bail over the deaths of Madison Mogan, 21-year-old Kedigan Salvez, 21-year-old Zana Carnoodle, 20. Mm. Zana Carnoodle's 20. Was 20. That makes me sad. And Ethan Chapin, 20, after being arrested in December last year. The criminology PhD candidate is alleged to have broken into the house in Moscow, Idaho, in the early hours of November 13th. It stabbed each of them multiple times. He was eventually arrested at, at his family's home, located just a 10-minute drive from the scene of the murder. Koberger, nothing burger, whose trial is still months away, may now face a possibility of death by firing squad if he is found guilty. Thanks to a new bill... Bubba Bill, a new bill being heard by lawmakers this week. This came out in the Mirror UK. House Bill 186 was introduced to the Idaho State Legislator by Representative Bruce. I can't pronounce that last name. Last Wednesday, it aims to introduce the execution method as a backup option to lethal injection. They've been having a lot of issues with lethal injection lately. Hard time getting the the pharmaceutical products needed to do that and well sometimes they just don't work so well yeah they've been having problems for several years 
due to increased reluctance from pharmaceutical companies. That's not true. It's because of a shortage of supply because of, you know, a whole worldwide pandemic. Idaho Department of Corrections was forced to call out the execution of terminally ill double murderer Gerald Pitsu Jr. back in November due to what is described as a lack of supplies and instead allowed his death warrant to expire. Fascinating. Say by the bell. Convicted killer Ronnie Lee Gardner was the last person to be executed by a firing squad in the United States back in 2010. Do you guys think that is fitting? Well, let me ask you. Let me go to the chat room and throw up a poll. All right, these photos aren't even real, somebody says. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. They were presented to me for real, so I'm putting them out there. Although I'm not saying they're real. All right, do you think... should be executed by firing squad. Do you think Brian Kohlberger, Kohlberger should be executed by firing squad? Yes or no. Take the poll, and I will tell you what it is later after it completes. All right. Moving right along. This is some good news, and I found, I don't know why, I have a lot of um, videos about Xana I've never seen before, and I don't know why they're only Xana. That's just what came up. Apparently, she did a lot. She had a lot of videos on TikTok. Before we go to that, here's some good news right here for you. Bittersweet, rather. I wouldn't call it good. Newborn niece of Idaho victim named in honor of slain best friends. This is breaking news. I just got it. Newborn niece of slain University of Idaho student Kayla Gonsalves has been named in honor of her aunt and the young woman's best friend, who was also killed in November ambush attack, according to family on the Facebook page. Gonsalves and Madison Mogan were longtime best friends who grew up together, according to the family and dozens of posts that remain visible on their Instagram accounts. Theodora, hashtag Maddie K. Stevenson arrived at 421 a.m., 6 pounds, 5.8 ounces, 19 inches. A post in the Gonsalves family page reads, Olivia and Robbie are doing great. We are blessed. Olivia finally had her baby. Olivia is Kaylee's sister. The post includes photos of the healthy newborn girl and her grandparents, Gonsalves, mom and dad, Stephen Christie. Picture of the ladies. The name Maddie K is a combination of Kaylee's name with Maddie, Mogan's nickname. The Gonzalez, the Gonzalez have said Maddie was like another sister to them and she attended Olivia's wedding. The duo spent their final hours together and with others, other friends in downtown Moscow, Idaho before returning to their off-campus home. 
where police said they were found in the same bed. Supporters left more than 8,000 reactions to the post, more than 1,200 comments wishing the family well. This is actually at the wedding? Yes. This was taken at the Gonsalves, the wedding of her sister Olivia. Spring, it looks like spring. All right. I have more info for you guys. More things for you to look at. So go ahead and call in that number, 325-261-0892. Let me know what you think about those pictures. The pictures that some people say aren't real. Some of them, some of you might think they are real. Me, I'm in between. How do you feel about these pictures being aired? What do you think? Call the number, 325-261-0892. That is what this show is. It is a conversation with you. Let's look at these videos I found, guys. Uh, here we go. This is a new pic, uh, video I saw, I found of um, Zana. I can't play the audio because they're playing, you know, music that you can't play on t on uh, YouTube. Just people having fun. I'm going to be honest with you. It looks like Xana's lit up most of the time. So I'm going to be honest there. Not that I'm j judgmental at all. This is probably one of the saddest ones. This is one of Xana's friends. Remember, Xana was 20. And I don't know why I only have Xana. That's all there was. I don't know. There'll be a link to all this in the show notes after the show for sure. I want to know what happened to the watermelon. When I look at these videos, what I think is Kohlberger shouldn't even be a name that anybody talks about you know i'm not saying that people don't have the right to say his name or talk about him what i'm saying is he's like a non-entity all right is that the only good victim is a dead one especially if you're a woman when i was 17 my dad used the secret knock on the front door letting me know this is about victim blaming answer. Except when I opened shouldn't. it, instead of my dad, there was a man, his face covered in bandana, sunglasses, and he was wearing a zipped-up hoodie. He proceeded to storm past me and stab my partner, who was sitting on the couch, over 14 times. My first thought was to get between him and the knife, but I knew I... All right, um, guys, I'm going to end the poll right now let everybody know where we're at. 
And the poll was, do you think Brian Coldberger should be executed by firing squad? Uh, 53% said yes. 46% said no. I'm going to put up a new poll right now. And I'll read it to you once I'm finished typing it. I knew I was too small to do anything and we would both die. My second thought was to grab the phone off of the kitchen table to call 911, but I knew that I would get cornered in and no one would be helped. My third thought was to run up the hill to my dad next door. And all that happened in a matter of seconds, which is why the Idaho victim would not have been able to do anything unless you have lived through this crime. You don't understand how quickly it moves. I banged on the door so hard that I shattered the glass and covered the wood door with my blood trying to get my dad. I assume. The poll up now is, do you believe the crime scene photos were real? The ones we showed today. Put that out there for you guys. Again, I did not fake them. I didn't pull them up from another crime. There are two that I had before, and there's two that was on truth and transparency. And the attacker had killed him before coming for us, and I heard him coming after me up the hill, so I took off. I ran behind the neighboring houses, thinking about how I would get under the cars to hide from being killed. Keep in mind, I'm in a long-sleeved white Ike Creek shirt from Myrtle Beach, Eeyore pajama pants and barefoot, covered in my own blood. I proceeded to break into someone's house because they didn't want to open the back door. They had their own family to protect, but, you know, obvious reasons. I pushed the door in. I'm a full-grown man. I'm still proud of that. 911 operator told me that he was alive and on the other end of the line, and I thought she was lying to calm me down. The lady cop that showed up was exasperated and made me walk all the way up the road barefoot. When I got up there, I saw what he looked like. He had made it up the hill to my dad's and I broke down and threw up and the cops were going in on me about how I was going to make him freak out. I didn't get to ride with him in an ambulance to the hospital because I had to write the statement. They could have let me take the statement there. They let me enter the crime scene and when I was crying to get my phone and the mail cop yelled at me about how nothing had happened to me. I was 17 years old. I called my mom and she started fretting about. So again, for those of you that are just tuned in, wonder why I'm playing this. This is about victim shaming a victim, victim blaming. It's not just saying, Hey, you shouldn't do that. You're evil and wicked for doing it. It's showing you, this testimony is showing you that how something like that can happen. So it's very educational. Here we go. About how the attacker's life might be ruined. Why, you ask? Because he was, he had previously been my boyfriend and he had been stalking and harassing me, but she, he had been such a nice man when she met him. Many people, including my dad, held me responsible for the stabbing. Not the attacker. People only like dead All right. So someone has a very good point here. This is someone from the chat. Some more people in here think a person should be put in front of a firing squad who has yet to even have a trial. Well, maybe we should uh, rephrase that. Do you guys think I should rephrase that? That is, if he's found guilty, of course. If he's gone to trial and found guilty, 
Is that it? All right, so here we, we're at right now. Do you believe the crime scene photos were real? Yes. Uh, 24%. Most of you don't. No, 76%. So do you guys think uh, 34 votes? Not a lot, not a lot. So should I rephrase that so everybody's conscience is clear? That's how I meant it. So if Coldberger... And because he's the only one at trial, he's the only suspect, regardless, you know, of how many people we, some people think were involved in it. There's nobody else they're bringing up. If is found, is found, is found guilty by a jury of his peers and all I can't all right I'm just gonna say this if he's found guilty of a jury of his peers and I'm talking about capital murder if Kohlberger's found guilty by a jury of his peers should he face the firing squad All right. If Kohlberger's found guilty by a jury of his peers, should he face a firing squad? Yes or no? There's many other variables in that. I mean, they have to pass it first. But, I mean, yeah, that is a valid point. But, I mean, I thought that was assumed. All right. So everybody has their conscience cleared. I mean, move to the... This is weird, guys. This one is weird, it's weird for me. It's weird for you. I've been contacted about this dude. I just made a statement before that they haven't found anybody else. There's no other suspects. And it doesn't look like there's any more investigation in anybody else but Brian Coldner, nothing burger. But a lot of you guys, there's a lot of people out there that think that this guy seems guilty and possibly even help with the crime. Again, I'm like a neutral man. I'm neutral in this. I'm just your host. But check this out. Check this out. I had to play it. I have to play it. It's your man. Anon. Harsh. Obvious reasons. I'm going to ask. Listen to what Enan Harsh has to say when asked if he is the killer. For obvious reasons, I'm going to ask you, are you the killer? No, I think that's obvious to anyone who's not a, you know, completely stupid or flat earther or, you know, I don't know. I I guess I guess it might look kind of crazy, you know, just because my life or whatever. But I don't know. I I, the recent the recent article, too, I was looking at Fox News. They said, um, you know, and like I said, I take everything the media says with a grain of salt. But they were saying that. the knife was was kind of like a loose term to describe it because they're now like saying it's more of like a a bigger like blunt object and from like a really strong man um so apparently so you know i'm apparently there was like big gate gouges in them and stuff so i'm kind of picturing like you know it's kind of interesting in this area because um some of the surrounding uh areas have a history of of lead poisoning lead poisoning what the hell are you talking about, lead poisoning? I want to. 
do you guys think he was involved in that? Do you think he was involved in the crime? You know, I'm I'm almost cur- I almost want to do another poll about the firing squad. Do you think the firing squad is safer than the lethal injection? I think it is. I mean, you're damn sure going to die because they keep firing until you're dead. He's looking for 60 hours of the limelight. Isn't he dreamy? What? All right, so if Cole Berger is found guilty by jury of his peers, should he face a firing squad? 69% of you of our live viewers here, our live studio audience at YouTube said yes. 31% of you said no, and I believe this is about what you put before I put he was found guilty, but we all assumed. All right, here you go. Everybody that's listening right now, whether you're a member or not, you can vote on this poll, and I suggest that you go ahead and subscribe. Come on. It's a conversation with you. Nobody's wrong. And everybody is. It's all right. We're Fruit Loops here. Again, if Cole Bercher is found guilty by jury of his peers, should he face a firing squad? I'm going to give you five seconds to answer this till we end this poll. Go to our next one. You get to choose the manner of death. The person being murdered? That might not be a bad idea, actually. All right. So I'm ending this poll. Go ahead and vote now. If you haven't, go ahead and get it. Five, four, three, two, and one. Ending the poll now. And I got a new one for you. I got a brand new one for you. Do you think Anon was somehow involved in the murder? Some people think, some people, uh, they look at the timetable and they're thinking somebody had to have been involved to help Cole Berger, nothing burger, do it so fast, do it so quickly. Uh, Someone had to be a getaway driver. Somebody had to do something. So they look at the people, you know, out of all the characters that are involved in this and they focus on Anon. I understand that. I get it. All right. So this one is horrific. I'm going to play a little bit of this. This is also about victim shaming. And I think it's important. There'll be a link to all these videos in the show notes. All credit goes to the original creators. Freedom of, uh, what do you call it? Fair use and all that. I accidentally just spent 10 minutes picking my skin and now I'm getting ready. Since the Idaho murders, I've been getting quite a few flashbacks from my own personal experience that was quite similar. First and foremost, and most importantly, my heart goes out to the victims and the victims' families. A few years ago, I was living in Scottsdale, Arizona. I had a roommate and our apartment was on the first floor with a 
Arizona apartments, a lot of the complexes have direct outdoor access to each apartment. So it's like one story. I actually didn't really know my roommate too well. I knew of her from like a friend of a friend kind of thing. She was a partier. I was more of like a stay at home homebody. So it wasn't uncommon for her to have like a few guys, a few friends over while I was asleep. So one night um, when I thought I woke up from like a dream, a naked man was standing right in front of me, like in front of my bed, just staring at me. And then he calmly walked out of my room. So I closed my eyes again. And then I think there was just this weird feeling in my head that didn't sit right with me, how he was staring at me and how he like calmly walked away. Like he almost owned the place. So I get up kind of panicking, very confused. Like it's 3 a.m. and I, hesitantly like walk over to my roommate's room and she has Netflix on and she's passed out. And I tap her, I'm like, yo, do you have anybody over? Like I could have sworn that a guy was just in my room. And she was like, no, like I came home alone. I'm confused. And at that moment, uh, panic hit me. Like, I'm in fight or flight mode. I grabbed the nearest uh, weapon, which happened to be a tequila bottle that I broke and started screaming around the house. Like we start sprinting. I'm calling the police, still not knowing if there's actually somebody in our apartment. I just had this weird feeling. We stop a couple like blocks away. Our apartment complex was like a condo complex. Like it was huge. And we look back and lights are turning on and off in our apartment and my heart sank. We start screaming like bloody murder and knocking frantically on people's doors to like try to let us in. So we keep looking back and we see like a shadowy figure like walking in between rooms. The police officer that I was on the phone with ended up saying like, are you sure you have the right apartment? Like very confused. I was like, yes, I gave you the right apartment number. The officer then responds and says, that's weird. A man has opened the door and told us that this is his apartment. Even retelling the story, like my hand is shaking. <laughs> because we saw the police cars, we started like creeping closer to the apartment and we saw the guy and all of a sudden he just takes off and we see a cop just tackle a man to the ground. And apparently this guy was a registered sex offender and he was living in my apartment complex and stalking me and my roommate for months. <laughs> and when I went to go see how he broke in, it was our back door because the uh, deadbolt lock wasn't locked, just the regular doorknob was locked. And he had been camping out in my backyard area that was directly outside of my window just sitting there having a couple of beers. The man later confessed that after he walked out of my bedroom, he hid in our shower, behind the shower curtain. To say that my roommate and I are so incredibly lucky to be unharmed, untouched, and safe after an experience like that is, is an understatement. There was no right or wrong way to survive from that situation. The point is, is that we survived and I cannot stand these videos saying, why didn't she call right away? Um, we don't know all of the details. We don't know. And that's none of our business right now. We need to cherish their lives and be thankful that they're still here today. Ladies, get your All right, there it is. Why are we watching this? Because this is reasons why you shouldn't blame a victim. And I felt it was relevant.
Oh, what's going on here? Ah, I'm blurry. That's all right, everybody. You like different stories? I have a different story for you right here. Very odd. Maybe it's a non-story. Before I get into this, I'm going to go to our voicemail line. Booyah. Look at my blurry face. Look at my blurry face. All right. Not sure about my whole feelings on the firing squad, but if this, that is what they choose, I hope they're a better shot than Alec Murdoch. All right. Uh, yes, the hospital needs to be charged and the police officers. This lady must have been watching the last video while we're live on this video. That's very interesting. All right, here we go. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Midnight Radio. Hey, hey chat. Fruit Loops. This is Electra. I just wanted to call in and say that I am proud of Lana at Truth and Transparency for taking down her video of Justin. Because I was a little bit pissed that she had kept it up after she redacted everything that he said and basically said that he's full of it. I I was like, what, is she keeping it up until payday, or what's going on? She took it down. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Truth and Transparency. And I don't think Justin took back what he said. I know we're kind of over this topic, but I'm still just pissed about it. Because <laughs> you don't out someone on social media without their permission, and even with their permission. They need to do it themselves. This is just over-the-top crazy. And it wasn't even true, obviously. We all knew it wasn't true. But, unfortunately, some people really got roped into it and thought it was believable. But after he said that he was working with the FBI and also worked for the Brian Koberger's defense, yeah, I realized everything else he had to say was full of he also said he worked for that one senator. What is his name? Uh, butt keg. I'm not sure. He said he worked for him. All right. This is something uh, weird I got. Oh, by the way, guys, if you want to talk about anything, when I open the phone line, you're free to do that. If you want to talk about uh, the truth and the truth and transparency video or Justin, you're welcome to do that. Um, I don't really think there's much of a story there because none of it was true. And uh, Lana brought that to light. We all, the family came out. Early family and friends came out with evidence and proof and videos about Dylan being a woman since being female since birth. So we all had pause when Justin came out with his story. And I don't, if you want to talk about that, again, you can talk about what you want to. This came up to me uh, today and I contacted, I tried to send a text message back out to this lady to see what she was talking about. But here we go. I'll play it for you guys. I just wanted to end with letting you know that last night or last night or the She wanted to end with that, but she didn't begin with anything. That's the problem. My poor Lana had been stalked by like five or six people saying they were at her house. They took pictures of her outside of her house with her nephew or her son. 
and all kinds of crazy stuff. He said where she lived, and that they were coming for her, and help her to sleep, all kinds of crazy stuff. So I just kind of wanted to warn you about, you know, people doing that to you as well. All right, thank you very much. All right, this is about our show. I have a few more of these voicemails to play. Before I do, I want to thank our producers. Again, our executive producer, Lady Lisa, thank you very much. Without your support, I would not be able to continue to do the show in the manner I'm doing it, but also our producers. So if you're interested in being an executive producer for a donation of $20 or more, whether it's a super chat, a super sticker, a super thanks, all of that helps us very much. It drives us to continue the content you're watching and every cent that you donate is locked up in YouTube. I can't touch it. All right. It's only released for our, our music licensing. All right. Our music license fees for our online radio station. You're listening to the DJs as they do the, the uh, pre-show stream. Matter of fact, Electra after the show ends, Electra is doing a set. She's going to do an hour or more, it's up to her, after the show, just for you guys. Those, that's what we do here. I'd like to thank Annabelle Stealth, Jackie, Dees, and I'd like to thank Grant. Thank you very much. Appreciate you very much, guys. Yes, I think it's deplorable what the hospital did to that poor lady. They never should have released her. She was still ill. They should be uh, fired. And also the policemen, they were disgraceful the way they treated that poor lady. Uh, they should be all, they should all lose their licenses. They should think that that was maybe their mother. What would they do if that were their mother? It's just so horrible. I, uh, I am really, really, really upset about it. Hard for all of us. Uh, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you for calling. We're in the process of getting in contact with her family members for interviews. I realize they might be gearing up for a lawsuit and they don't want to talk about the incident. And I'm fine with that. But I want to know more about her. Now, I do want to clear something up because somebody put this in a comment with that story. And they said that they thought that the family is responsible too. But she was living with her family in Rhode Island, and for some reason, we don't know, she chose to move back to Knoxville where, you know, she's from. She chose to move there with a friend. On the flight down, she had a stroke. So that is what happened. I'll keep you updated. I just called to say the woman that just went to the hospital or was at the hospital and left. This is despicable that they would do, that the police would do this to a person that's dying. I know. Despicable. I can't believe it. They need to be, have press, charges pressed against both of them, the, co the cops and the hospital. Eight. All right, guys, I'm going to open up the phone lines right now. If you want to talk about any of the subjects we talked about to, tonight, you are free and welcome to do that. Or if you want to talk about some of the topics we have coming up, let me tell you what those are going to be. 
I am really going to go over the Alex Murdoch case. The things I wasn't able to go over yesterday. Somebody emailed me, said he pooped his pants. I got that testimony footage. We're going to go over that tonight on Midnight Radio. All right now. Make sure my phone line is on. It is on. I'm ready to take your phone calls. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here's our next story. This was breaking right before I got on here. Six leaders fired from Air Force nuclear base in North Dakota. And that's really all there is to it. Other than me reading their names, we're talking about the top. This is Colonel Gregory Mayer pictured in his official headshot right here. And I'm going to answer the phone. How do you feel about that? Midnight caller line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Jerry. This is Marie. How are you today? I'm fine, Marie. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from, well, sunny Florida, except it's dark now. Okay. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to talk about a couple of things that you brought up tonight. Um, First of all, the firing squad, which is very um, interesting that it's being brought up now. Um, The... I I had heard, and I I don't have any factual data, although I know it's out there, that they were choosing alternatives because people were having trouble getting intravenous access to give the IV drugs that would uh, terminate the life in, in one particular state. Like they tried to start the IV on somebody several times and weren't successful. So they had to halt the operation. Um, there's a video on YouTube. One. There's a video on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. If you put Feld lethal injection, where it shows the formula being pumped in the person's arm and it not working as it is advertised and putting the person through unbelievable agony. Okay. And it's so my knowledge that, that this happened several times also. So I'm not sure exactly which drugs they're choosing. I believe it's pentobarbital and potassium chloride. I believe you're correct. Potassium chloride burns very harshly when it's given IV intravenously. So that could be the discomfort, even if your intravenous access is very accurate. Um, the drug is, it, it burns the vein. So depending on the quantity. In addition to that, there's like a bazillion drugs that could be used. Um, so as far as a shortage of medication, I just don't find that find that a, a justifiable reason to not use that method. Unless there are laws, which I'm sure there are, about which drugs are acceptable. And what those laws are based on. I believe the, phenol, the phenobarbital is to put the person to sleep. And the problem they were having is people weren't being put to sleep. Well, there's better drugs, and I'm a, I'm a nurse, so I know there's way better drugs to do all these things. I, I'm not saying I'm an advocate or not an advocate of the death penalty. Uh, I have mixed feelings about it, but if indeed that were um, the legal choice and voted upon and decided you know, by the group that that's what was to occur, there are a thousand choices, just digitalis could do it uh, quickly and efficiently with no pain. So um, I I just wanted to to mention that part. I I think there's alternatives. 
um, if go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, if, if this firing squad, which is interesting to me, I was reading today from some of the people in, in my group, uh, there uh, are several states that accept the firing squad as an option. I read in your chat that um, that some people have the option to choose which form. I, I didn't know that. That seems I don't know if they were saying that people should have the option or that people, some people do have the option. Do you think people should have the option of what their death is going to be? Oh, that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. It's such a, a, a delicate subject. Um, I think if, if you, if you have been found confirmatively guilty and I mean like beyond any reasonable doubt, not like 10 years from now, some DNA is going to turn up that mm-hmm. was an error. Um, then I, I don't think you should have a say. I think it should be up to, I heard, I heard rumors that the Idaho people, like they might have a say in it, the families, whether or not the death penalty. Now, which type of death penalty is a whole nother ball game. I think the, the family does normally get to say if they think they should be put to death or not, but that may or may not have sway. But they get to say, you know, this brings up several interesting questions. Um, It's so deep. It's just so um, ethical. Grant, uh, he brought up one time in uh, Australia that they don't do the death penalty anymore because somebody was, after they were put to death, they found out that this person absolutely did not do it. And that made me think. And uh, here in America, I believe... And you guys let me know what you think. The phone number's up there. I think that if in America they found out that someone absolutely did not commit the crime that they put to death, I don't think that would stop the death penalty here in America. I think that the American people would say, well, it's still a good deterrent for most criminals that did do it, and I believe they would leave it up. Regardless of I don't my know. On it, what do you guys think? Um, personally, I think if it was, if it was someone in, in that I knew and loved who had been tragically killed, um, and the death penalty was an option, I think I would choose that. I think I would also, oh gosh, this is going to make me sound really horrible. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I think I would even be willing to, um, assist in that process. Like, for example, if they're going to do a firing squad, would maybe some of the families, want to pull that trigger or pull that switch or push that drug. Um, that's, that sounds really out there and I don't mean to sound, um, vicious, but I think it would just depend, you know, everybody responds to these things differently. So, uh, I, I I kind of, I'm throwing that out there, but I'm sure I'll take some heat for that, but that's okay. I'm, I'm good with that. That's all right. I'd take a little heat. Have you ever killed somebody? Um, not intentionally. Uh, I, I've never killed anyone, uh, honestly. I, I'm a nurse, and I worked hospice. So many people have died under my care in ICU, in the emergency room, in hospice, whether they were meant to uh, pass at that time or not. Uh, not by my hands, but by the hands of fate or nature 
so I, I'm comfortable, um, not comfortable, but I understand that it's, it's a natural part of the process. Well, I can't um, say this. I was in the military during active wartime and I've had to make the choice with someone trying to kill me if I should take their life. And it's a choice that I made. And I can tell you with authority that just because someone's trying to kill you and you might have had to have taken their life, it's not a good feeling. It's not something someone should ever have to do. So I understand. Yeah, it doesn't make have, you sleep any better. No. Well, I understand we have wild speculations about what it would be like and how we would feel uh, pulling the uh, switch to the electric chair on someone that took some member of our family's life. But I was saying, when it comes down to it, a life is a life. Agreed. And that's where you get into the whole ethical. It's just such a, such a deep, deep topic. And uh, we've, we've both experienced people dying under our watch under way different circumstances. Um, but a life is a life. And I just don't know, like, if it was my personal uh, person, you know, like if I lost someone and I knew who did that, I'm not sure how I would respond. Since I got you on the and phone, that's all I can say. since I have you on the phone, I, I do want to ask you a question about the, are you still there? About the show we had last yeah, night yeah. about the lady. Did you get to watch that? Uh, about the stroke? About Lisa Edwards at the hospital and how the, they let her go at the hospital, even though that she didn't want to go while she was actively having a stroke. So I saw parts of that. I didn't see the whole thing. But I did. I I didn't understand how she got to the hospital. What was she doing in police custody? That's the part I don't understand. So here's the story as I understand it. She was flying back from Rhode Island from her family because she was going to live with her friend in Knoxville. She had a stroke on the plane. She went right. They took her from the plane by ambulance to the hospital. Okay. And then they were at the point where they were going to release her. And she said, I don't feel good. And she didn't even know how to leave or who to call or what to do. She was in a complete okay. state of confusion. And they said, no, you're leaving now. You have to leave. She's like, guys, I really don't feel good. I can't walk. Her left side was paralyzed. So they pushed her out to the parking lot. Um, she was unresponsive and couldn't talk correctly to the security guard. And that's where it starts in our video, really. The security guards were passing it over to the police who were also rude to her until the moment of her death. Well, I'm not really sure what to say about all that. Um, that sounds pretty unbelievable. Uh, those all sound like classic signs of distress uh, and stroke. I mean, we were all trained in that. I worked at ER for many years. Uh, I know that um, I'm not going to justify the behavior of the staff because there is none, uh, but sometimes, you know, I've worked ERs where you've you know, you're, you're taking care of eight or 10 people and there's 30 more lined up. Um, so that, a, that doesn't again, justify it. So we're talking about a triage I, situation. Yeah. Um, well, she would be past triage. Triage is the initial. And then after triage, you would go into the active care area. And once they're discharged, it's kind of like, and I know now, like I haven't done it for a couple of years, ER, but I know now they have like an actual computer screen. And once you're discharged, you're off that screen. So you really don't exist. So there may be medical people in that ER that didn't even know she was there. 
um, again, the police officers, I think, should have identified that, the security guard, I think the nurses, I think all those people should have identified that, but I think it would bear uh, evaluating all the people in, in that sequence to see where the ball was dropped, because obviously the ball was dropped. Um, and uh, did they contact her family? Her family was in Rhode Island. They found out about it later. So nobody in the emergency room contacted her family before she was released? Nope. Or anybody? The information I have is the family so didn't know until after she was her demise in the back of the squad car. So that, yeah, that all sounds pretty uh, suspicious. Um, I, I have a hard time with, with, with that. I, you know, my heart obviously goes out to that family, and I, I mean no disrespect to them, but having worked the emergency room for a lot of years, um, things happen that aren't good and the outcomes aren't good. That doesn't mean anybody didn't care or didn't want to do the right thing. It may have been out of their hands. Uh, you know, like if she's in the parking lot, there's no ER nurse knows what's going on out there. I'll tell you that. So maybe she started going south after she was in the parking lot. It's very possible. She could have been, you know, she could have been um, infarcting and extending her, her infarct or she could have had a slow bleed. I mean, there's, there's a lot of medical things that could have occurred that, you know, slowly transpired as opposed to a, an immediate uh, bank, you know, infarct stroke. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give them a little grace. I, I'm not saying they're, it's okay. I'm just saying I would, I, I think, you know, I give them. Well, you do have a, some professional information. Himself. You do have some professional information on the topic and I appreciate sharing that. Okay. Well, you know, nurses are basically good people. We, we do good work. It's really hard. It's really hard. Um, people don't treat us any better than it seems like we treat others. Uh, this woman, again, my, my heart goes out to her and her family, and, and I uh, empathize with them extensively. But I, I do feel it would be fine to give grace to the nurses involved to see what their side of the story is, because... It's not all black and white. It is often a thank a thankless job being a nurse. Thank you very much for calling. I appreciate it. You have a good evening. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. If any of you guys are experts in any of the topics we're going over, I'm more than happy to talk with you about it. All right, let's continue. Well, um, let me just pin this story out, get rid of it. Six leaders fired from Air Force nuclear base. That's all there is to it. They tell you who it was, but they don't tell you why, except for there was a loss in confidence. But six leaders, you got to wonder what happened. Were they having some kind of sexual bungo bungo party or what? I don't know. If, there, if I find out more about this, we'll come back to it. I'm putting a pin in it for now. Throwing it up in the old wall. All right, let's go to this next one. All right, you've been waiting for it. You've been waiting for it. The Murdaugh trial. I know you have. This part is uh, when the prosecutor presses Alex on video of him with slain family dog at kennel. What? Right? Here we go. And where do you go at that point? I take the chicken from Bubba. All right, so you get up. He took the chicken from Bubba. Well, I mean, Bubba's, you know, Bubba's come out there with this chicken. I mean, he's showing us, hey, I caught this chicken. Mm -hmm. And... I take the chicken from Bubba. 
He came up by the golf cart. He came up to Maggie and I, which I was on the golf cart. She's by the golf cart. I mean, he's not coming to the golf cart, but he's coming to us. Is this during the kennel video or is this after the kennel video? Well, no, you hear Maggie say he's got a chicken. Okay. That's what she's talking about is Bubba caught a chicken. All right. Bubba All caught right, a so chicken. Is the kennel video still going on before you go get the chicken? I mean, you've heard it, correct? You've heard it in this courtroom. I don't know exactly. Um, I don't know exactly, but in close timing to Bubba coming out of those woods with the chicken, with I got chicken. up and took the chicken from him. Okay. Let me ask you this. Were the dogs... I don't want chicken now. ...barking and carrying on or going out into the woods or acting like they sensed somebody was around that they didn't know? What is the real story oh, of January 6th? No. Many people have asked that question. Some want to know about the, the chicken, dogs man. Like Come on, man. Around it, they didn't know. Yeah, like dogs do. No, the, no, they the, weren't. There was nobody. There was around it. The dogs didn't know. Okay. Dogs didn't didn't, to your indication, sense anything out of the ordinary. They were just chasing after the guinea. There was nobody else around. All right. Good. For them to, to, to sense. You've heard the kennel video. Would you agree with me that it lasts for about 50 seconds? I, I agree with that. So it would have ended around 8.45 and 45 seconds. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that. Did you have the chicken out of Bubba's mouth at the end of the kennel video? Or did it take longer than that? You know, I can't remember exactly when in the video he came up up with the chicken, but I would have had to I would have had the chicken out of his mouth within 10, 15 seconds. All right, guys, I'm going to stop that right there. We're going to continue, but I'm going to end this poll. Do you think Anon was somehow involved in the murder? Yes, 36%, 64% of you said no, but really 60, uh, 36% thinks that he was. Wow. Just based off of nothing but him talking. That's incredible. Thank you guys for taking that poll. Appreciate it very much. And I got another poll for you since we all love polls here. All right, who, who wants some? chicken it's of, of right Maggie saying he's got a chicken all right and so then what did you do I put the chicken up all right how long did that take did you get out of the golf cart to do that I did all right and you had to go walk to where it was well yeah I mean it feet but I, I i did that yes all right so how long did that take seconds. We're, we're at 8 46 now how long did that take seconds just seconds all right and what did you do after that got back on the golf cart mm -hmm. and what did you do after that i left you left now just did jumped I on the golf cart and left well, that's what I was getting ready to say. Did I get on the golf cart and leave that second? Probably not. But did I get on the golf cart and leave very quickly after that? I did. Okay, yeah, I think you testified yesterday. I got out of there. I did. Why'd you get out of there so quick, Mr. Murdoch? Because it was chaotic. It was hot. 
and I was getting ready to do exactly what I didn't want to do. You were getting ready to do what you didn't want to do? That's correct. Yeah. I was getting ready to sweat. I was getting ready to work. I went back to the air conditioner. So did you say goodbye, according to your new story? Did I say goodbye? Yeah. Did you talk to them at all, or did you just get the chicken, put it on there, jump on there, and just take off? I wouldn't have just gone off. I mean, I would have said, I'm leaving. Okay. Did I say goodbye or bye? And again, go ahead. I mean, there would have been some, you know, there there would have been some exchange. I'm not staying here. Well, what was that exchange? I mean, you have, you've had such a photographic memory about these news stories. What, 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 what happened here? That's not, I can't tell you the exact words. You don't remember your conversation after you put that chicken up. Did y'all talk about the chicken? No, I don't think we did. Did you talk with Paul about Cash's sale? After the chicken? Yeah. No, I, I know I didn't do that. Did you tell Maggie I'm going to go check on him? Call her line At that point, no, I don't. I don't did you tell I did. Maggie, oh, it's hot out here. I think I'll go back. This. Who am I speaking with? Sure. Grant, Mike. Hey, Grant. Glad you could call in. What do you got for How us? How you doing, Jerry? I want some chicken really bad. Um. Yeah, yeah. He, he's under pressure with this um, examination yesterday, like, it's just lying full stop all the time. It's just that the jury must be confused. They've got to be. He's lying nonstop all the time, and I hear the argument that just because he's a liar every day, all day, doesn't make him a killer. Yeah, that's true. Is it true? um, not all liars are killers. Not, admit, not all liars are killers, but no. every killer's a liar, unless he turns himself in five minutes after he did it. Exactly. And to change the story that I was at the kennel, I wasn't at the kennel. I, if I was on the jury, it just wouldn't wash with me. Even Hartley and that they can, they can't, they can't get him out of this hot water. I wonder what the jury is thinking. Um, are there's, I need to do a new poll here. We're talking about chicken on here. But really what I'm thinking about is how many people, you know, this is a problem in my mind here when I'm talking about this. Uh, there's people that I, I talk to who believe he's guilty, but they feel like the way the case has been presented that he shouldn't be convicted in court because of circumstantial evidence. Hey, guys, it's not against the law to convict somebody on circumstantial evidence, by the way. That's something that the defense always brings up. You only have circumstantial evidence. You only have it. It technically doesn't matter. Grant, what are you doing? Jerry, uh, did you... Walnuts? <laughs> uh, roll, roll on a cigarette. I shouldn't be, but... Oh, that's all right. Um, I have one. Jerry, yes. Did you see the um, the defence pulled up all that shocking foot um, stuff today about being shot in the head, his wife, and that? And there's um, Alex sitting there bawling his eyes out again. But they proved not, they didn't prove much at all. 
to put the jury through that, to put him through that, and to for the la- the the lawyer lady lawyer at the end, the young uh, brunette lady at the end, she just sort of squashed the whole thing. I just didn't know why it had to be so gruesome for so little. I don't know if I've seen that today, but I might have that queued up here to play. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of gory details in that if you were in the courtroom. And they achieved very little, in my opinion. Here's a comment someone put in chat. I don't feel they proved it in, in sled light as much as him. I don't actually agree with that. I don't think they lied as much as him, but they sure did lie. That's, that's for sure, which is unforgivable. There's a guy on um, called uh, uh, Sun News in South Carolina. I brought it up today in the trial. Uh, I just had his name. I've sent you videos of him. He covered this whole thing a year ago when he got locked up and had some great um, shows of I'm surprised the whole country doesn't know about this a year ago because the videos he was putting out of the double murder in Hilton Head Island or whatever, um, the car, the boat crash, all that, I thought that would have took off like wildfire. I didn't know about this until a few months ago, honestly. Yeah, that video I sent you, he put that out a year ago about the the six or seven videos and they brought him up in the court today. Uh, no, it might not have been today. It was a video a year ago when he, but it was on today or I watched it today about when he didn't, when they, they refused in bail and they were arguing that the prosecutors and wanted discovery. They wanted all the documents that they did. They, the, uh, state wouldn't release them because they said it's over a million dollars worth of stuff and someone will sell um, an autopsy photo and they brought up this guy saying people like this will put it out in the media, you know, it's worth a lot of money. And they uh, and the state won the motion to, well, no, actually it was half and half. They, they half agreed with the motion not to give discovery. It's a very complicated case. Sorry, Jerry, I'll take you down a rabbit hole there. Well, here's a, here's a video I have. This is uh, from today. It's the footage that they played as evidence today against him. Let me play that real quick. You try to play it. Headphones are great, Jerry. <laughs> they are. It's not playing. You can hear everything. They have issues here. Well, that is a shame. I got more. I got more, but I wanted it all together of just the video footage they played. Here you go. No. No. Oh, no. All right. Let's. Sorry, I'm getting that delay again. One of the big revelations in court today was by the defense's witness, Timothy Palmbach, a crime scene analyst. He testified about the direction and composition of Paul's fatal gunshot wound, saying 
It was a contact wound. Rachel Ripp continues our team coverage with an explanation. This afternoon, following testimony from forensic pathologist Dr. Jonathan Eisenstadt, the next witness then confirmed his testimony, saying that Paul's shot entered his head. Palmbach said, based on his analysis, Paul had no defensive wounds, for example, putting his hands up. Palmbach testified that instead of the prosecution's theory that Paul's second gunshot wound entered his shoulder, hit his jaw, and passed up through his head, pushing out his brain, he believes the shot entered Paul's head by the barrel pressed against it, with pellets coming out through his jaw and onto his shoulder, with the pressure and gas from the gun launching the brain back out in the direction of the gun through the head. And that's why it makes the classical determination of a contact wound in something like the cranium. It's not, if you shoot a person anywhere else, you will not trap the gaseous material and allow the pressure to build up within eventually. Yeah, it doesn't look like a bomb going off. That only happens in a cranial vault. So if there was an explosion of this type, wouldn't Paul's whole head be blown off? I'd say the fact that his entire brain came out and a large portion of his, his skull is missing, uh, that's pretty dynamic. I don't know how much more you want. But his brain wasn't destroyed, was it? There were pieces of his brain yeah. throughout the room. What a dumb question. His brain wasn't destroyed? Just the very fact. That's like taking a BMW, driving it in the ocean. Well, the ocean wasn't destroyed. Well, I sure the hell can't use it as a car anymore. What do you want from me, lady? It can't be used as a brain once it's severed from the skull. Wow. I think what she's saying, Jerry, is it wasn't atomized. Like if you stuff the shotgun and it's a contact wound, why isn't the brain atomized? Why is it still in a little blob on the ground, not atomized? Well, who's I think the whole question. I think the whole question here is the person who, who did this shot that killed Paul must have been covered in bone, brain blood, all the all the gory stuff. And I don't know I don't know why the all as they can achieve from this is that the coroner or the autopsy people got it wrong. The shot was wrong. That's all they can achieve is it was a wrong facing shot. I don't get what they're achieving from all this gore. I don't know. Oh man, including out on the ground. Um, most of his brain was intact, right? The majority of the structure was physically together. Palmbach testified that the small droplets of blood on the door near where Paul was shot were consistent with a gunshot wound into the brain and pressure pushing the brain out of the skull. Watching Alec Murdoch in court today reacting to this testimony, I saw him rocking back and forth in his chair, bobbing his head twitching and even messing with a pen. Now, as for the jurors, it seemed that they were pretty engaged for the most part in this testimony, but there were two jurors during the pathologist's time on the stand that couldn't look at those autopsy photos. Reporting in front of the Colleton County Courthouse, Rachel Ripp, News 19, WLTX. All right, thank you so much, Rachel. And of course, Pombach is a witness that was paid by the defense to appear. All right, this morning, a very interesting decision in the courtroom. All right, stop that right there. Now, this is interesting. Grant, did you hear about that? Matter of fact, the chat is asking what part of Australia you're from. It's southern Australia, guys. Can't you tell by his accent? Yeah. 
Murdoch trial. Like, yeah. Uh, Murdoch trial judge allows the jury judge. to visit Sorry. the scene of the double murders. He's going to allow them to visit the scene against the um, against the, the um, states. They don't want him to go there because the it'll cause more questioning. The state, the ones that are trying to put him away, they don't want him to go. Okay. Disgraced South Carolina lawyer Alec Murdoch, he will that fate that. will soon be in jurors' hands. The defense is expected to rest any day now after Murdoch concluded two days on the stand, making the case for his own innocence in the murders of his wife and son. Prosecutors argue the 54-year-old has spent years lying to clients, law partners, and family members and stole money to support his addiction to painkillers, in addition to changing his story about where he was on the night of the murders. Our panel has been following this story since the very beginning. NBC News correspondent Ellison Barber is outside the courthouse in Walterboro, South Carolina. NBC News legal analyst Danny Savalos is here on set. So Ellison, just wrap it up for us here. What were the big takeaways from Murdoch's testimony last week? I mean, the biggest moment was when he admitted that he lied about his alibi, not just for a couple weeks or a couple months, but for roughly 20 months from the night of the murder until he admitted for the first time on the stand that he was at the kennels, the place where Maggie and Paul Murdoch were killed uh, prior to when me. he had told investigators he was there. So on the stand, he admitted. That's the part that gets me the most. Of, out of all the things he lied about, you know, the financial things is just what that is. You know, that makes me think, oh, well, perhaps that produced people that wanted to end his life. But you get to the point of him lying about his alibi. And that really, as a juror, I feel it would make me think of him as guilty, regardless of anything else. He had to lie, Jerry, because it puts him at the scene minutes before the murder. So he had to lie in the beginning. Now he's admitting to it. And the state messed up, or sled messed up the time of death. They put their hand under his arm instead of sticking a thermometer up his bum. But that still doesn't give you an accurate time of death. So with him lying about his uh, alibi, now that we know, do we know what his real alibi is now? That he was there, and he left. He he left. And that's the timing. He done all this stuff in nineteen seconds or something. The timing. He went to his mum's house to check on her. Um, mob crew did a good thing. They they said that he walked the two hundred eighty three steps. He walked, dropped Maggie's phone off, and walked back. And that all those steps work out perfect for him to drop off the phone because they said it wasn't it wasn't switch, switching from um, panoramic to upright. How could he throw it out the car? Well, he walked with it and dumped it, they reckon. But um, they're not they're not the trial lawyers. They're not they're not there. We can only speculate and theorize our stuff. The jury are locked away. They can't be talked to. And his his whole reason for saying he lied, he says, was because he was paranoid from addiction. Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> okay. But that only works, Jerry. Like he said, I, I was always paranoid when the coppers come, when I saw the coppers driving around in the car. Like, he's a dirty, rotten junkie, and he's, he's stealing money off everyone. Yet here he is 
you know, saying, oh, I was paranoid um, that Sleb were going to set me up. I was paranoid, you know, uh, his paranoia seems to make me paranoid. So hold on. Let me think about this. And he, did he ever, oh, man, I lost my train of thought. Let me continue with this video just a little bit. I'll think of it. It's just, it just blows my think mind. Yeah, the jury. From minute, from second to second, we're going through recaps. Um, what I wanted to talk about, I just remembered, it's about the drug addiction. There's a lot of people saying that that is so much money for him to, uh, you know, waste on drugs. But there is a big In money a issue. So where, if it wasn't drugs, where would the money have gone? What would he have gotten that much yeah. money? Go ahead. I think they got to check the Cayman Islands, Ireland, all those places. They'll never find his money. He's hidden a lot. He spent very little on drugs. He spent a million dollars or whatever because he was on it for 20 years. And at one, at one point he was spending, he was taking 1,200 milligrams. And that's at least, at least in Australia, if you buy 30 milligram Oxycontin illegally, it's 30 milligrams probably cost you $50. And he he was on 1,200 milligrams a day. I don't know what it costs in America on the street. Not that I buy it, but I just know, know of, I know that system. Mm -hmm. Lord Almighty. Let me play a little bit more of this one. Admitted that it is his voice in the Snapchat video Paul Murdoch took uh, that night, shortly before he died. Prosecutors have used cell phone data to try and establish a time of death. And based on the time of the Snapchat video that was taken at the kennel that Murdoch now says was his voice, he was there roughly four minutes before prosecutors say Paul Murdoch's phone locked for good when they believe roughly was the time that he was killed. So Paul. Uh, the defendant in this case, Alec Murdoch, admitted that he was at the kennel that night at a time when he said that he was not there. He said, yes, I have lied to prosecutors. I have lied to family. I have lied to friends. I am a drug addict. I have stolen from clients. But he said, I did not kill my wife and son. Listen. If I was under the pressure that they're talking about here, I can promise you I would hurt myself before I would hurt one of them, without a doubt. Murdoch said, other than lying about being at the kennels that night, I was cooperative. I did help law enforcement throughout this process. The prosecution, they seemed shocked by that, saying you were helpful except for maybe lying about the most important fact of all. You were there minutes before they were killed. Guys. Allison, thank you. Danny, I want to turn to the prosecution. They honed in on Murdoch's deceit, his addiction. Let's listen to some of their cross-examination. We'll talk on the other side. Did you lie to him about the last time you saw your... Wife and son alive. I think he lied about the damn chicken, too. Opiates gave me energy. My whole life, you, you wouldn't see me where I didn't have pills on me. I admit, candidly, in all of these cases, Mr. Waters, that I took money that was not mine. 
His testimony was very compelling. Danny, you're a practicing defense attorney. What do you think about the defense strategy here? Is the jury sympathetic to Alec Murdoch? It was compelling, compelling that he probably did it. I mean, let's take a step back. Uh, if this were not some high-profile trial, if this was just some regular kid from a bad neighborhood, an impoverished neighborhood, on these facts, the jury would interrupt halfway through the trial and say, we have our verdict now, he's guilty. I mean, on these facts, because uh, the bottom line is, throughout all the testimony that Murdoch gave, he offered no evidence that there was anyone else there but him minutes before the killing. Mm -hmm. He admitted he lied about that. Okay, he lied about financial crimes, big deal. He lied about being there yeah. at the moment or minutes before the crime. He's a drug addict, and he says in that clip that we just heard, I promise you I would never hurt my wife and child. Yeah, your promise means nothing. You're a massive liar. In a sense, the prosecution has to be frustrated that this seems to be just a uh, an abundance of evidence. They must feel like they have this one, and yet I still hear people saying, hmm, his, his testimony, boy, it, just because he had financial problems doesn't doesn't mean he would kill his wife and son. If he gets acquitted, mm. then that's on the state for trying to introduce that motive. They don't need a motive. Right. A motive is not an element of a crime, but prosecutors feel they need to put a motive out there for the jury to hang on to. They chose one that is impossible for the jury to hang on to because who would kill their wife and son? What? Because financial crimes, he's still being prosecuted for them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. They have enough evidence without it. All right. So why would he kill his wife and kid for financial crimes? He's still getting prosecuted for it. Would he in their life because uh, they knew that he was a drug user? No. Ah. No, we just have the financial crimes of the money he stole, but we don't know what he was doing with that money. Perhaps he was involved in trafficking. I just feel that there is more. No proof is a huge problem. Chat room saying. He stole a lot of money. It's got to be somewhere. Even the crimes have gone over here. He stole millions. He hasn't got a yacht yet, you know. I don't know where it went. But regarding the um, oxys, just quick, Gary, someone in the chat said oxys knocked you rotten. You, you can't do much. It's a matter of tolerance. Once you start taking these pills, they say that, um, you get used to them. So if he's taking 100 a day, he's going to feel just as high taking um, 100 milligrams a day. He's going to feel just as high taking 1,200 milligrams a day over time. The only difference is he's going to suffer 10 times more when he hangs out. So it's, it's silly to take that many pills and be that addicted because you, you get used to it. You build tolerances. There's a video of this out, and I'm going to try to find it right now, about Oxycontin. Before it, I go, Jerry. Go ahead. Um, that train derailment, toxic chemical thing you talked about, if you could bring that story up, like the Biden administration and that, this is supposed to be the biggest chemical spill ever or something, and very little... In, on Twitter and that, there's a lot of talk about it, but you don't see much about it. You don't. I have more. I have, and the actually, other, and the, I have some information about it. The tonight. other one, before I forget, the last one I wanted to talk about was them um, crime scene photos. It was on a, a nine-minute video that um, come out 
nine days ago Stop. or something, but them pictures I sent you are very clear of the bed, the hallway, the pool of blood, and it is truth and transparency, but it's a different nine-minute video uh, where I, Ashley Banfield's talking about. Sorry, go on. It's a, did you just send it to me? I played yeah, the, uh, while you're on the show. Oh, okay, good, good, good. Awesome. I see. Now, you, you showed the same photos, but they were blurry. They were mixed with um, a, a map and that. On the video I sent you, they're just the clear, clear pictures. I, I did play the video you sent me. No, that's not mine. That that that, that one's got the merging pictures and it's blurry. Mm-hmm. Mine's got, oh, I don't know. Uh, I got it right here. Ah, yeah, the it, one you sent me was the merging one. Here, I'll show it right here. And it was, was that? A, yeah, you the one, said, the I one I watched. There was no merging. It was just like I said. The timestamp is one fifty to two ten. One fifty to two ten minutes. Yeah, this is the one right here. It's the same one. And yeah, there's merging on it. Ah, uh, wow. The one I watched, I I went to, I, I got back in the. YouTube and I looked at that video so I could email it to you. The one I watched five minutes earlier, two minutes earlier, had no merging. What a shame. If I can, it was I, just. I'd seen those pictures maybe a few days ago. Yeah, you said. Maybe I can uh, find that again and I'll put that up. But uh, yeah, I think we get the point. But you you you're breaking news, Jerry. You know, I, I love it. It'll it'll come out next week, especially with the train derailment. That's a big story in my book. I think it is too. And they were trying to downplay it, and then they had to. Everybody's talking about it, so they're like, "Okay, we're gonna have to play this a little bit more." And I do have some new info on that tonight. All right, you let me know, Joe, when you want me to go. Listen, um, that um, vice president of yours, she's in charge of the border. Isn't she? She's supposed to be. She's a figurehead of it. Why do you never see her doing anything, fixing anything? Why? How can she get away with that? Like Obama's wife, you know, they were all like figureheads and did, you know, fitness and health and that. This one, oh no, that's sorry. We're we're talking about the husband's wife. Um, yeah, this is the vice president. More prestige, more bigger, but you don't see her doing anything decent on the border. I know. I don't know. You don't see anything. I haven't heard anything other than speeches about it, which was a promotion for policies. And that's really all I know about it. I know the drama at the border. It's mayhem. Like, yeah. Actually, I do know about this. They want as many people... And this is fact, you know, some people have a hard time with facts and politics, but I investigated this for a different reason. I was looking at a different story and the story is about a man that was in a position of, um, being a lobbyist. So I was investigating lobbyists had nothing to do with politics. So I investigated the lobbyists and everything about lobbyists is free and open on the internet. You can see, uh, what company they work for. Uh, actually what interest group and I was looking at the interest group of farmers 
and I saw that farmers were giving massive amount of money through these special interest trusts to, you know, to lobbyists, and they were funding, you know, the Democratic Party, right? Uh, Biden in particular, massive amounts of money, but these very same interest groups were also giving money to, to Trump, right? But not as much as they were giving to, and these are farmers. I, was, I thought, why? And I investigated further, and I found out that they were paying, and what they wanted, what they were lobbying for was for people to come over the border. For, for, for They wanted people over the border because they wanted uh, workers. They didn't have to pay as much. And I was floored when I found that out with my own eyes. So I actually have a guest that's coming on here soon, and uh, he's worked as a lobbyist. And he can actually, he's one of the top lobbyists in America. Maybe he'll talk about that. I saw that link of there, what you're saying. I thought you did something on that. That's why I knew about it. The farmers paying money. It must have been a Twitter story. I might have talked about it one time in passing. Uh, or if you've listened to my old shows way back in the day, I might have talked about it before. Yeah, your politics are. Uh, yeah, I hate politics. <laughs> I hate politics of both sides. You know, to me, it's like a lot like the Murdoch trial. Both sides are lying. But if you look at the, uh, you know, the actual factual information, you know, behind it, you know, you find out a lot of a lot of new things. All right, thank thank you for calling, Grant. I appreciate it very much. I have a couple things I want to go over before I leave here, but I want to leave because Electra is going to do a show at the end. Just quickly, thanks for the hat. The merch store is fantastic. Thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. See you, buddy. Yeah, I can send hats out right now, but. I'm in the last processes of being able to open up the merch store. So there we are with that. All right. I got so much information for you. I'm going to play you guys a little bit of this. This is a big deal. We're going to talk about Oxycontin a little bit and how Purdue Pharma pushed this on everybody. And, uh, so in 1998, Purdue Pharma distributed a promotional video to 15,000 doctors telling how Oxycontin improve seven patients lives i'll play a little bit of this and then we're going to kick it in the end where you find out what happened to them after that 14 years later this is what happened Johnny Sullivan took Oxycontin to relieve his lower back pain. Back now. now I can enjoy every day that I live. I can really enjoy myself. And before, even a good day was hell. I mean, I couldn't enjoy nothing. But now I can enjoy myself. That's when I said wonderful. I look at the future the same way uh, uh, um, a young guy, 25, 30-year-old would. Over time, his family said he became addicted to Oxycontin and other narcotic His biggest problem was he would sleep a lot. And I mean, uh, he slept, He was at the point where um, he was could be sitting in here talking like I'm talking and fall right off to sleep. Did Alex do that? I went to the point where I had to put his socks and shoes on, his clothes on, his shaving, wash his hair, look out of him just like you would look out of a two or three-year-old. 
He said, I'm in so much pain. I've got to have that pain medicine. He said, I just cannot leave without that pain medicine. People would look at him and literally think, well, he's got to be drunk or he's got to be high on something. They didn't know, you know, he was just on a lot of medicine. I'm going to go to the next people. He fell asleep from that medicine. I knew what it was. Lauren started taking Oxycontin for severe back pain. I think when I first started, I was on 20 milligrams in the morning and 20 in the evening. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. Since I've been on this new pain medication, I have not missed one day of work. And my boss really appreciates that. Lauren is there every day. So I'm able to be very productive, a uh, productive um, person again, which is really great. Over time, Lauren needed more and more of the drug. Eventually. It stopped working, and it got increased. I think it was 40 in the morning and 40 in the evening. And then eventually that got increased. <laughs> this went on for years. Went on for years. I lost my job, and I lost my insurance. So it got to the point where <clears throat> I couldn't afford it, and I didn't buy it one time, and that was the beginning of the end for me because I could no longer afford it, but the time that I went without it was uh, probably the most unbelievable, excruciating, horrible time of my life. The withdrawals were just unbelievable. She lived through it, though. I just knew eventually I was, uh, you know, I'd probably kill myself OD taking this medicine. Ira Pichillo suffered from fibromyalgia, credited OxyContin with allowing him to exercise until he took his life. The physical therapy hopefully will get me strong enough where eventually I won't need to use the, the, uh, the drug therapy, but the drug therapy allowed me to do the physical therapy, which in turn lowered my blood pressure and lowered the, the, the blood levels. cause of death was high blood pressure and heart disease. Police report said he had been abusing narcotics. All right, guys, I'm going to leave it right there. You guys get the point. It's absolutely horrible what OxyContin did and how it was being distributed so freely like cotton candy here in America and the companies that were responsible for that paid a small fine and they're in charge of vaccinating everybody in the world now. So. Not politics, real life. All right. Okay, we're going to get off the Murdoch case. I still have a couple more video, a video another video about it, but I'm going to put that in the show notes because we're running out of time. And I want to hit up the train story about the train derailment that's kind of being sweeped under the rug. Or They're trying to, but it's not working very much. Here's some new info on that right now. Good evening. Well, the train derailment has not only impacted East Palestine, but surrounding communities as well. There's a mysterious item which has shown up outside a Darlington family's home. The Corbins were driving into East Palestine the night the train derailed, saw the fire, and went home. They grabbed items and went to a hotel. Jerry Corbin returned home on his birthday and is still stumped with what he's seeing. Jerry Corbin took me on a tour of his backyard in Darlington. Every so often, you run across a small flake of what looks like ash. 
Once you train your eye to it, you start seeing it everywhere because it, it has a, a glow to it. It's blue, uh, gray, blue slate. <clears throat> very strange. The ash is paper thin and also very fragile. There are a few pieces left. Sometimes they're a little bit difficult to get one right here. Now, Jerry says when he returned home six days after the derailment, his yard was covered with this ash. I don't know what this is, and, and I'm getting so aggravated and so frustrated that I don't care if it's hazardous or not. I want it out of my yard. Corbin doesn't know if the small flakes are from the train fire or the controlled release. He lives less than a mile and a half from the crash site. His wife puts sticks in the ground to mark the ones she sees. It's essential that I know what's in it because I, you have a garden. I plant my garden. I'm going to grow tomatoes, onions, peppers. The ash still blows around. It's breaking down and getting into the soil. That's a concern. Jerry had half a mason jar, but he's given some to lawyers and the EPA for testing. Nobody has answered what it is. It's not mine. It belongs to Norfolk Southern. They should come over here and get it out of my yard. Jerry Corbin's a radio host on WXCD in Elwood City. He's written a book called The Family Gold. He just wants answers about the flakes and some independent Family testing jewels. to prove the air, soil, and water are Family safe. Flakes. When it comes to giving oh, no, no, commercials in my show. I didn't sign a release. What's going on here? Oh, here's one more. I'm definitely not going to play all this one. But I did find it interesting. And this is the last one right here. East Palestine and Ohio, Ohio and Ukraine are not technically related in any way, but you still can't help but notice the difference between how they are treated by that? the Biden administration. So the administration just announced another $2 billion in funding for Ukraine. We sent them over $100 million already, but no money. All right, I'm going to end the poll right here. It says, the poll, the last poll is, if you were in the jury, would you convict Alex based on the evidence so far? Oh, at first it was overwhelmingly no, and then it became yes. So 56% said yes, and 44% said no. That it only takes one to hang a jury, which is about what you expect with 54 votes ending the poll right now. money for the people in East Palestine, who, as you well know, were exposed through no fault of their own to toxic chemicals. Erin Brockovich is in East Palestine tonight, and we thought it would be interesting to talk to her. And thank you so much for coming on. Do you know, I mean, can you see the disparity in the... Oh, of course. Can you see the, the, the disparity between the concern for the people of Ukraine, which I'm not discounting as, as real, with the concern for the people in East Palestine. There seems to be a huge difference. I want to point something out for those of you that are in politics, and that's not why I'm playing this. Um, point this out. It, there's a Republican governor. It's not the fact, to, I mean, it's you look at the situation, they're investigating it now. They're saying without negligence, there's no way the plane would have derailed. And you also look at the fact of... The governor is the one that said, set those chemicals on fire. He gave the go-ahead to do that. It's a Republican governor. Hello. So for any side to flip this on the other one is dangerous. If he didn't burn those chemicals and they 
did went by the hazmat protocol of putting the gel in there, soaking it up, transporting it out. Hey, now, you know, Mike, Mike DeWine. Yes. He is the one responsible. I've been saying it from the very beginning. I don't care what, I don't even know what Biden said about the damn thing. I don't know. Mike DeWine. Well, it's certainly concerning to the people of East Palestine. I mean, you know, we're pushing a month now, and they still don't have any answers. It's very obvious something's really gone wrong out here. I've been out here down on the ground, and they're really frustrated why they don't feel that their agencies or their administration cares about what's happened to the community. So it is very apparent they are are concerned and not being seen or heard. So that you make, you make such an interesting point, and I don't know the answer to this, but you've been around this kind of thing before. You think that there's something specific that they're not being told. That's that's your sense. Yeah, there is, and I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, come on, we're out here. I went at forty-four thousand fish are dead. We've seen them. We've seen them out right. here today, aerating the creeks. They're removing stuff. That the wellheads are locked. What's up? Look. You don't have to go any further, in my opinion, than a 100-year study that we all know the miners did for us. It's called the canary in the mine shaft. Send the canary down there, it dies, might not be good for humans. You have dead fish, might not be good for humans. You have dead animals, might not be good for humans. You've sent a horrible mixed message to this community. Drink the water, don't drink the water. Safe, not safe. It's... It's horribly confusing and extremely frustrating to them, and something actually has gone wrong here, and there's information that has yet to come forward, and the story will continue to unfold. That's so nicely put. And I just want to pick up on something you said. The wellheads have been locked. What did you mean? So, so in the schools, uh, so the children can't drink the fountains, and then yep. on private wells around here, they've got locks on them. So they obviously, uh, uh, come on, if there's yep. no problem, you don't need to lock a, a, a drinking fountain, you don't need to be aerating the system, and you, you can explain away all day long to me that nothing's wrong, but I, I, I see what's going on here. Yeah, I think it's better to You're make not decisions based me. <laughs> <laughs> it's better to make judgments on the evidence than on the words. I agree with that. Thank you, Aaron Brockovich. Good to see you tonight. <laughs> I'm playing it because of Aaron Brockovich, not because of Tucker Carlson. I have no opinion of him. Don't care. Aaron Brockovich, here's a fun fact for you. Did you know that Aaron Brockovich is the very first DVD Jerry ever bought back in the day? That's true. All right, everybody. that time again i'd like to thank everybody for tuning in please subscribe if you haven't thank you all for who are new here it's good to see you guys it really is if you have a question yeah if you have a question you can call call in and talk to me during the week no you can call and leave a voicemail message 325-261-0892 i did live in ohio for seven years for those of you that don't know I did live there before I moved back here to um, Texas. Thank you all very much for joining me. If you'd like to make a donation towards the show, it goes to our music, radio music license, which, by the way, right after this show, Electra is supposed to be doing a midnight radio after show, the very first one. She's going to launch that, and we have another one coming up coming later in the week. But this is the first one by Electra. Thank you all very much for tuning in. My email is midnightrad 
midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. That is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. If you play me a voicemail message, I will play it. Matter of fact, let me see if I've missed any during the show. Just because I want to play something that's relating to it. No, I've not. No, you guys didn't know. Not even at all, right? All right. In that case, I'm going to throw you guys one of those, one of these, and one of these. Because the show's